welcome to The District, a podcast about politics and culture by The Spectator World. I'm Amber Athey, The Spectator World's Washington editor, and today we're taking a look at the Biden administration's sniping and infighting and what that pretends for the future of the Democratic Party. The Wall Street Journal has a poll out on Tuesday that shows President Biden with just a 41% approval rating, with 57% of Americans disapproving with his performance thus far. He's less than a year into his presidency, and his numbers are already tanking. He's underwater by 16 points overall. He has just a 29% approval rating among 2022 undecideds and just 30% approval among independents. This is obviously very bad news for the Biden presidency, and there's a lot of reasons why Biden has become so unpopular so quickly. The first turning point was really the Afghanistan debacle. It's important to remember that a lot of people did not vote for Biden because they were excited about him or his policies, but because they were suffering from Trump fatigue. And the Biden campaign was able to successfully pitch this idea of a return to normalcy, that they were the adults in the room, they were bringing norms back to the White House, and they were going to bring back an era where people weren't constantly watching the news with anxiety or refreshing their Twitter accounts every morning to see what the president had tweeted at North Korea or uh, about Vladimir Putin or what have you. And so the expectation was that the Biden administration was going to be a rather boring administration, that they wouldn't um, be making any major plays that would cause Americans concern. And when the Afghanistan withdrawal rolled around and they discovered just how incompetent Biden really was and that he wasn't going to sit back and not really do a whole lot and that he was going to try to make these big plays, um, they realized that he was actually quite dangerous. And in this case, the uh, giving up of Bagram Air Base, pulling out troops before making sure American citizens were able to leave Afghanistan and allowing the Taliban to take over so quickly that they lost all leverage in the region. That was really the first time I think that Americans saw the Biden administration um, for just how terrible it could be. You have the Biden administration's mishandling of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has somehow managed to anger both the left and the right. The left because the Biden administration has now overseen more deaths than the Trump administration ever did. And the right because Biden has implemented these vaccine mandates and extended mask mandates Uh, Even though the Omicron variant, which he is blaming for most of the uptick in cases, is considered mild and has been said by the researchers who first discovered this variant to not be a reason to panic. In addition to all of this, Americans are struggling economically due to a massive rise in inflation, supply chain issues, and of course, a spike in gas prices. And the Biden administration's response to this has been to mock Americans who are concerned about it by saying things like the supply chain issues just affect families who are waiting on a treadmill to arrive for Christmas, or that inflation is a bigger factor for rich families compared to poor families, which is just economically illiterate. Uh, And then you have the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, saying that the rise in gas prices and energy prices in general are actually a, a, a good thing I'm paraphrasing, but that they're a good thing because they provide a greater incentive for them to pass policies like the Green New Deal. All of that is to say that Joe Biden has such a low approval rating for a reason. And there is a reason that people are chanting things like, let's go, Brandon, across the country. It is because this administration has enacted policies 
that have hurt American families, have hurt national security, have hurt our national health. And when questioned about it, they laugh, they deride, they joke, they mock. A recent INI poll found that less than four in 10 Democrats want Biden to run again in 2024, and just 22% of Americans overall would like to see him run again. And normally when these types of questions start mounting about a president's viability, and not just his political viability, but his mental and physical health issues have also been laid bare for all of America to see, normally we would start looking at his second-in-command, Vice President Kamala Harris. But the Democrats are screwed here too, because it turns out that Kamala is in many ways even more unpopular than Joe Biden. Just 16% of Democrats would like to see her run in 2024, and just 12% of Americans overall. According to a Rasmussen poll from this week, 57% of likely voters view Kamala Harris unfavorably, including 50% who have a very unfavorable impression, and just 39% have a favorable impression of Harris. So, that's actually down from August when 41% had a favorable impression of Harris, according to the Rasmussen poll. And this is pretty stunning because Kamala Harris started out this administration by essentially being Biden's partner. She was present for all of his national security briefings. She was in the same Oval Office meetings that he was in. She was put in charge of the voting rights bill that the Democrats were trying to push through. She was also supposed to be helping negotiate on the infrastructure package. She was put in charge of the southern border. And recently, she went on a little trip to France. What's really quite interesting about Kamala Harris's unpopularity, though, is that after this initial quick start out of the gate, where people were sort of saying that there was a shadow presidency going on, that Kamala Harris was secretly running the show behind the scenes because Biden was so incapable and incompetent, she actually took a step back. Because I think for two reasons. One, there was a lot of tension between Kamala and the Biden White House, particularly with Jill Biden, if we're to listen to the reporting. And also because I think Kamala is politically still pretty shrewd and she didn't want to be tied to the failures of the Biden administration. So she decided to take a little backseat to what was going on, particularly once Afghanistan happened. And this ostensibly should have seen her poll numbers increase. Instead, the opposite happened. Her numbers continued to tank, and there's probably a number of reasons for this. I think most chiefly, people saw this as quite distasteful that she was abandoning ship after trying to play such a heavy role in the start of the administration. She was then disappearing when things started to get tough, and that just shows poor leadership. This could be a huge political opportunity for Kamala Harris. She could be the competent, insane person in the room to make up in all of these areas where Joe Biden lacks, but she has burned this opportunity because her office is in chaos. Several high-level staffers have left over the past few weeks, and a new article in the Washington Post describes her as a bully, and former staffers describe her as the common denominator behind all of these staffers leaving. Gil Duran, who is a former Kamala Harris aide, says, quote, who are the next talented people you're going to bring in and burn through? and then have them pretend they're retiring for positive reasons. He said that Harris has destructive patterns that are behind the exit of Simone Sanders, her spokesperson and communications director, Ashley Atien. One former staffer said that Kamala Harris fails to read her briefing materials and then lashes out at others when unprepared. The staffer said, quote, it's clear that you're not working with somebody who is willing to do the prep and the work. 
With Kamala, you have to put up with a constant amount of soul-destroying criticism and also her own lack of confidence. So you're constantly sort of propping up a bully and it's not really clear why. And I think that really gets to the crux of why Kamala Harris is so bad at her job. It's because she does have this sense of entitlement. I think even in the uh, last presidential election in the 2020 Democratic primary, there was this sense from Kamala that she was next in line, that she, because she was the progressive woman of color in the race, she was supposed to be the new star of the Democratic Party. She'd done her job by grilling Brett Kavanaugh and other Trump administration nominees while she was on the Senate Judiciary Committee. She's proven herself, and therefore she gets to be president. And the media tried to anoint her as the next nominee, but the Democratic Party, although initially on board, saw pretty quickly that she was not the amazing candidate that she claimed to be. Tulsi Gabbard, who uh, is hated, reviled by the Democratic Party, even more so now, managed to destroy her entire candidacy in just one moment in a debate when she went after her for her record as a prosecutor in California, despite claiming that she is all for criminal justice reform and considered herself a progressive prosecutor. So Kamala's entitlement has now apparently translated over to the administration where she doesn't want to put in work, but she wants everyone to, to praise her, to suck up to her, and for her to be the next in line for Joe Biden. Yet again, she thinks that she deserves to be the next Democratic nominee, despite the fact that she has had zero successes throughout this entire administration. So a lot of these leaks, we have to assume, are coming from the Biden White House. But also another potential leaker here is Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who has been receiving a lot of positive coverage over the past month, despite the fact that his department has done nothing to deal with this supply chain crisis. In fact, he was on paternity leave for two months, uh, taking care of a baby that he didn't even birth while there were ships stuck off the port of Los Angeles. Uh, but Pete Buttigieg saw some recent nice headlines from Business Insider. They wrote that he was about to become, quote, the most powerful transportation secretary ever. And you've seen a lot of social media chatter about him potentially being the Democratic frontrunner ahead of, of course, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Here's where the problem comes in, because once you start leaking these kinds of stories about your supposed enemies, there's always the potential for you to go a little bit too far and overplay your hand. This is sort of infamously what happened in 2016 with Donald Trump, where people started to realize that so much of this media coverage was really unfair and damaging intentionally um, because the establishment really hated Donald Trump. And I would just caution both the Democrats and the Republicans to be careful and not go so hard on Kamala that they create this reverse effect where people start to defend her and like her. And two recent stories come to mind when I say that. The RNC went after Kamala when she was on her trip in France because she purchased a $375 cooking pot, and I believe it was a La Crusette pot, which if you're familiar with these pots, um, they pretty much last your entire life. They're sort of a luxury kitchen item, but one that you only have to buy once and then you have it forever. It's sort of like buying a KitchenAid stand mixer. And in the grand scheme of kitchen appliances or kitchen items, it's really not that much money in the grand scheme of things. And yet the RNC's big story, and this was from the Free Beacon that originally reported it, was that she was buying this $375 pot while Americans are struggling for the holidays. And I get the point. 
it's a little bit tone deaf for the vice president to be buying this sort of splashy kitchen item while you have the supply chain issues, while you have inflation. But it seemed in in the overall realm of scandals to be pretty minor. And then this week you have a story from Politico where they're sort of attacking Kamala for not using Bluetooth headphones, so AirPods or other wireless headphones, because of the potential for security risks. So instead she uses wired headphones. And this is a story that they talked to three former campaign aides about. And so they have all these pictures of Kamala wearing the wired headphones. And I guess the idea is that uh, she's supposed to be considered paranoid for not using the Bluetooth headphones. I think this is probably one of the smarter things Kamala has ever done is to worry about a national security risk with uh, wireless headphones and the potential for people listening in on your headphones. I mean, compared to all the other dumb stuff she's done in her career, this seems pretty minor to me that she likes to use wired headphones. And so these two articles brought together, I think, run the risk of her enemies overplaying their hand and making her seem more likable or causing people who don't even like Kamala Harris to feel the obligation to defend her because the media coverage is starting to get a little bit unfair. The point is that if I were Pete Buttigieg, I would merely caution that Kamala Harris is really unpopular already on her own. There's already an organic negativity towards Kamala Harris. She's proven her incompetence. She's proven that she's a bad politician. You don't need to work so hard to try to make her look bad when she's doing it already on her own. As the famous line goes, never interrupt your enemy while they're making a mistake. So finally, let's take a look at Pete Buttigieg's manufactured rise in the Biden administration because he is now the flavor of the day. He is presumed to be the front runner for the 2024 primary. But back to that poll that I was talking about earlier that said only 37% of Democrats want Biden to run again and 16% want Kamala to run again. Well, that number is only at 3% for Pete Buttigieg. Just 3% of Democrats would like to see him run for president on the Democratic ticket in 2024. His numbers are actually quite higher with independents. 10% of independents say they would like to see him run, which is quite interesting. But overall, even among this long list of potential Democratic candidates, not sure is winning this poll. 31% of voters overall say they are not sure who they'd like to see run for president on the Democratic ticket. 13% of Democrats say they're not sure who they'd like to see run. It's important to remember that just because Pete Buttigieg is the least bad of these three options doesn't mean that he's popular. And he lost in the Democratic primary in 2020 for a reason. He was unable to build a broad coalition. He's the type of politician that liberal white wine moms love to talk about and support because it helps with their identity politics, uh, street cred. But outside of that, he was relatively unpopular in the race. He ended up dropping out after South Carolina because he failed to get support from Black members of the Democratic Party as well as Latino members of the Democratic Party. And of course, all of the controversy over him being on paternity leave during one of the biggest supply chain crises since the start of the pandemic is not going to play very well for him if he decides to run in 2024. So Pete Buttigieg is hardly the Democratic savior that the media is trying to paint him as. And the party thus far, their big problem is that they really don't have a great bench right now. 
Now contrast this with the Republican Party, which has a number of potentially successful candidates, even if former President Donald Trump decides not to run. You have Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. You have Greg Abbott, governor of Texas. Ted Cruz, uh, Chris Christie, Mike Pompeo. The list goes on and on. And I think any one of these people could be successful against Kamala, Pete, or God forbid, Joe Biden, if he decides to run again. And this presents a major problem for the Democratic Party, because not only are they about to get trounced in the midterms due to a combination of the Biden administration's unpopularity, the natural swing to the opposing party after uh, one political party wins the presidency, and of course, some of the recent redistricting efforts. So they lose the midterms, they lose control of the House, and perhaps turn over more Senate seats. And then we get to 2024, and they don't even have a, a leader of their party. They don't even have the benefit of incumbency anymore in the presidency. This is potential disaster. And my smoke signal to the Republicans would be, start preparing your agenda. Start preparing the issues you're going to run on. Take some tips from recent races in Virginia and New Jersey. And make sure that you're prepared, because one of the biggest problems that I always see from the Republican Party is that they love to be in the minority. They love to play opposition. They like to be the spoiler for whatever the Democrats are trying to do. But it is so rare that they actually have a cohesive vision for what they want to offer the American people. And they are really bad at coming together and legislating on good issues when it actually counts, when they actually have the power. So start getting ready now, guys. Then they have no one to blame but themselves. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out more at spectatorworld.com. And if you'd like to listen to us, please check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available.